This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're dusting our way into episode number 61. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Today we're going to talk about how to clean your house even when kids live in it. And just so that you know, I rarely dust, so don't feel bad. If you don't dust, okay, but we are going to talk about some things that are realistic when you have a house full of children, uh, and it doesn't have to include dusting. So first thing is you need to do is adjust your expectations. And you may not like me saying that, especially if you were... A neat freak. I, I've come a long way in my life. I'm sure that if you ask my parents, they would laugh hilariously and tell you that when I was a child, my room was always a mess. It looked like a tornado had passed through it. And even when I first got out on my own, I tended to be a clutterbug. But over the years, I have really gotten to the point where I like for things to be clean and neat and uncluttered. I don't like clutter at all. Uh, so I... I don't like having a house that's cluttered. I don't like having a house that's messy. So I definitely understand where you're coming from if hearing me say adjust your expectations makes you shudder internally. But remember that clean enough is good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look like it would win a show in the 1950s Housewives contest. It doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to be sterile. It just needs to be clean enough. When you're focusing on cleanliness and deciding on your expectations, I would expect that your kitchens and bathrooms are clean. And you should expect that too, or your kitchen. Most of us don't have more than one. But your bathrooms, if you do have more than one, and I finally live in a house where I do have more than one, but expect that those will be clean. Mostly clean most of the week, and as we'll talk about in a little bit, you can do a more more of a deep cleaning and scrubbing once a week, but every day on a daily basis, you know, the surfaces are going to be relatively clean. And then the rest of the house, you may not be doing any dusting, and there may be a little bit of dirt here and there, and they may not just look as sparkling as the other areas. The floors may not get mopped as much as you might have uh, might have done in a former stage of your life. But do, I mean, I, I recommend that you adjust expectations that things aren't going to be perfect and that it's going to be good enough and that your kitchen and bathrooms will be clean. But also decide what matters to you. So some of us have something in particular that really matters to us and that may maybe helps us feel peaceful and calm. And for me, having my my master bedroom and my bathroom nice and neat and clean and as uncluttered as possible really enhances my peace of mind. And that's a constant battle because if stuff builds up while I'm trying to straighten out or organize or purge in other areas of the house, it tends to get stacked up in my bedroom, mostly because my bedroom is mostly off limits to kids, except the current youngest. And so I'm not going to have little people or big people in pilfering through things. And so stuff tends to get stacked up and that really 
It kind of impacts my peace of mind. And there may be an area of your house that's like that for you. If it's the entire house, I would recommend that you strongly evaluate and think about somewhere that's that's really going to make the biggest difference to you. And then that may be a place that you choose to focus on and like your kitchen and your bathrooms. You may choose to keep that area clean or be more proactive. If you get fly lady stuff, I really like fly lady stuff, even though I don't I do not do do every day the way that I should with fly lady, but I'll link to fly lady if you've never heard of her. But but she has hot spots and things that she talks about. And and you can make that area that's important to you one of your hot spots that you just take the time to straighten up every day. And for me, it's my desk area. Um where I'm doing work for this podcast or for my website, I try and straighten that up every afternoon to make sure that it's clean and ready for the next day. And then I also try and as much as possible proactively work in my bedroom every day. If there's an organization project that's ongoing and if it's actually clean, I try and make sure that I straighten in there every day. Now in the early weeks when I when I had a newborn baby, that stuff wouldn't get done every day. But once my newborn's a little bit older and especially is in a baby carrier, I can straighten up those areas every day. So that's just telling you focus, focus on the important areas where where cleanliness is really important, where the kitchen and bathrooms, and then the areas that are going to bring you peace, and lower your expectations for the other areas of the house if possible. The thing that facilitates keeping a house with children clean the most is simplification simplify 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 and the biggest component of that is let go of stuff i'm not saying that you have to embrace minimalism though that might be a good goal i'm starting to think that there's more and more to that but certainly embrace simplicity in everything that you do And ask yourself, what can I simplify? What can I let go of? If you have ample storage space in your house, you may be able to store some things. Like, for instance, in my kitchen, we have quite a bit of cabinet space. And there's things that we don't use too terribly often, uh, like a, a stand mixer and a meat slicer. But when I need those things, it's really good to have them. And they tend to get used in bulk a lot mostly for when I'm doing bulk cooking for the freezer, which is a strategy that I really like for meal planning, which we're not going to talk about today. But I like having quite a few meals in the freezer because it eases my stress levels immensely. And so those tools usually come out when we're getting around to freezer meals ready to go in the freezer. And so we have the storage space for those. But, But be aware that sometimes... When you have ample storage space, you store stuff and it just becomes clutter. For us, that's computer equipment. So we have a pretty big master closet and we have a little filing cabinet. Well, it's not a little filing cabinet. It's a pretty big filing cabinet. It's fat. It's not tall like most filing cabinets. It's kind of a fat double filing cabinet. It has two drawers. So the bottom drawer of that doesn't have any files at all in it. And the half of the top drawer doesn't. They're just filled with computer stuff. And my my master closet has random bits of computer equipment. And if you go out to our barn, there's a section of our barn that we use for storage. And there's a lot of computer equipment and cables out there. And in reality, that stuff is stuff that will most likely never get used. But 
my family is a geeky family, a nerdy family, and we have a lot of computer stuff. So really, I would say that that's, that's pretty much wasted space because we could probably go through and consolidate all of that into one or two boxes that are possibly likely to be needed in the future and the rest of it could get recycled. And so you may find that your closets have stuff like that. It may not be computer equipment for you, but there's probably stuff in there that you're never going to use again. And this is the kind of stuff that, especially in a busy house with kids, that you want to simplify and get it out of the way. A, to free up that storage space for other stuff. And B, just because it's not there at the back of your mind that it's taking up space or that junk closet is no longer a junk closet. That's really helpful. Be willing to let go of stuff. And of course, the obvious clutter, you're going to want to go through that. And a a large-scale organizational and decluttering project, it takes time. It also takes emotional energy to let go of stuff. So this isn't something that I'm saying you need to do tomorrow. But especially if you're expecting a baby, it's a good time. Your second trimester when you're starting to have more energy is a good time maybe to start doing a an area by area <laughs> um, organization project where you're organizing either uh, your closet or the the main parts of the room where you can see and then you just go area by area or drawer by drawer even that sort of thing is a good time to do that or when you've gotten you know you're through the baby stage and your little one's happy in the carrier if you've got toddlers who will play by themselves for a little bit you might choose to do a little bit of work every day like a half an hour or 45 minutes even will make a big difference over several weeks in helping you declutter and simplify your house Along with your stuff, you want to simplify your little one or little one's stuff. And even if you're a family who you feel is fairly conscious about this and you don't let a lot of junky toys in and things, you don't like all the plastic bright lights and you don't have all the million and a half G.I. Joes or Barbies or whatever, kids' stuff builds up. They get gifts and then if you've got multiple children, multiple children are getting gifts. And it just, it just really builds up. And that's a problem that we have really had in our family because we have six children and they all have birthdays and we just get so much stuff. And we've really had to be, in the past couple of years, really thoughtful and intentional on what we what advice we give to to the sets of grandparents for what our children should get because otherwise we just get over overflowing with toys that we've had six copies of already and it's like you know what can we ask for that's really going to get used and not clutter up space so for instance uh, we just got one of the sets of grandparents just gifted our children with snowshoes for their big seasonal gift and that was a real blessing. They're really enjoying that. And the snowshoes can also get stored outside in the in the summertime. In the winter, they're kind of right by the door. But, you know, we didn't end up with tons of toys that would be forgotten in two weeks. It was a, it was a more thoughtful and intentional gift. Only little Corwin didn't get snowshoes because he's not quite ready for them. But everybody else did. So think think along those lines when you're asking grandparents or um, aunts and uncles or that sort of thing when they're asking you what to get for your little ones. 
be choosy and then limit the amount of toys that you buy, especially because you can, you have total power over your own spending and total power over whether you say yes or no to a child who's asking for something. So really limit toys, especially the baby toys and the toddler toys that multiply so quickly. Another idea for toys, aside from purging them and limiting them, is rotating them. This is my favorite thing to do with toys. It's my favorite way to extend the value of a toy long past what you might normally think would be the play life of a toy and also to keep the toy in better condition. This is something that I, I don't even remember where I first got this tip. But I think it was from a mom of a large family. But I've done it even when I only had a couple where I had some toys that, a few select toys that stayed out all the time. But then other toys were just, they were kept in the closet and they only came out at certain periods of time, like once a week or so. And we still use that. And I've gone through periods where I didn't and I've always ended up overwhelmed with so much stuff in the house, toys everywhere. And so having the toys not out really works for us. And for our family, it's, it means having them in mama and daddy's closet and some of them are in the garage. So we don't store toys in our children's closets. They have stuffed animals on their beds. But we don't store toys in our children's closets because we found that they got pulled out and dumped everywhere, especially by little ones who really, you know, they don't, they don't know better as well. And then it would be older ones who would be told to go clean it up and that was creating resentment and all of it was creating stress for mama and daddy. And so having the toys stored in mama and daddy's closet goes much better. Like I said, they have stuffed animals on their beds in their rooms and then the little ones have things out front, a few things out front that are easy to clean up. Like we have a little play kitchen that has a few dishes and some toy food and that's easy to gather up in the evening. Um, and then there's a, Honor has a doll and Corwin has some little toddler toys and Galen has a few little truck type things. <clears throat> but really the that's the only toys that are out. And then the big kids things are kept uh, either higher up in their closet for Cassidy, who most of her stuff at this point is art stuff and everything. She's she's getting past the toy age. but And then the boys' stuff stays in, in a box that's specially labeled with their name that they can get out when they want to play with it. But otherwise, and some of the stuff that's communal, like Legos, erector pieces and things, those stay in our closet too. And those come out at certain times. The Legos or Erector sets, it's when the big ones have time and they want to play with them, they're gotten out for them. But for the little ones, you know, they have times when I'm teaching the older kids or when I'm trying to work like recording this podcast. And that's a time when something may come out like Duplos or all of the baby doll clothes. Honor, Honor has a baby that stays out all the time, but all of the baby doll clothes don't stay out all the time. And then the, there's a bin of dress-up things. You know, just various toys, blocks, building blocks for toddlers. Those all stay put up. Um, and that way they don't have to worry about them getting all pulled out. I don't have to worry about them getting all pulled out. Just having those toys so that they're not always accessible and not able to be pulled out really, really, really helps to, to lower stress levels. A variation of that idea is not just to have them put up, you know, all the time, but, but to have certain, like I said, there's certain toys that the little ones have out all the time and you may rotate those toys. So once a month you may have, 
one you may have them divided into boxes and one box of toys comes out the next month it's another box and another box and so they may have some toys that come out only at certain times like when you need to get something done and then they have other toys that are just their boxes of toys that are being rotated in and out to be their out toys and that helps toys stay fresh for your child and also in good condition so that they may be able to be enjoyed by other children or able to be enjoyed by your child for a longer period of time. Of course, children usually have a favorite toy that they really treasure, and that toy can stay out all the time. But I encourage you to think creatively about how much stuff your child actually needs to have available to him or her all the time. And think creatively about how you can keep up the appeal and play value of a toy much longer than it normally would be if it was out all the time and it would just end up scattered on the floor and forgotten. Whereas when they only see it periodically, it's it's new and it's much more creative. We keep Playmobil toys out in the garage. And they don't come out too often. It's usually only when the older kids ask for them to come out. But when they do, they usually come out and they stay out for a few days. And they have these big creative games with them, like big creative scenarios. They often build cardboard houses or something like that for them. And I really enjoy seeing them play with those. But they have lots of small pieces, so having them out all the time was really overwhelming. Whereas when they're in the garage... They come out periodically. They're played with really creatively and intensely for a few days. I only have little pieces everywhere for a few days. And then we make a thorough check and get them all packed up. And cardboard houses can go until the next cardboard city is built. It's just, it's nice. So, and you can do that, you know, with older kids stuff like Playmobiles or Legos or things that are geared towards older kids. And you can do it with little kids stuff, even really easier than older kids stuff. So that's a big idea. Another thing that you can rotate is books. So if your child has many books, you might have like a little child-sized bookshelf and only have a, you know, a certain number of books on there so that it's not overwhelming. And then you can rotate books. You can do this, just like I said, by keeping some books stored. Or you can keep your personal library of books for your child down to those that are really treasured by you and your child. And then you naturally rotate by going to the library once a week or every other week. And you bring home a new batch of books and then you take them back. You don't have to worry about keeping up with them. And libraries are just, they're a wonderful repository and a great resource for children to fall in love with right away and to learn how to utilize. And they can help you keep your sanity when it comes to books. Uh, And then the other thing with simplification is if there are rooms that you and your children don't use during the day, keep those off limits. I know that some of you have a playroom. I know that some of you tend to use your children's room as a playroom. But many of us, especially if you have a playroom or your children play out front in the family room, which is what mine do, you, you don't have your children in their bedrooms or in the upper or back part of the house a lot during the day, or that's only an area where naps happen. And that's nice because you can keep that area off limits. So for an older child who's able to understand we don't go to play down there during the day, that's where we go to sleep or that's where we go to nap. You know, you can just teach them not to go back there unless it's one of those times. Or with younger children, you can... You can put a baby gate or something up or close doors if necessary. But really limiting where your children go in your house can relieve stress for you. Because first of all, they're not in that other room getting into things and messing stuff up that you have to clean up. And they're they're also 
in your sight, in your line of sight. And that goes a long way to peace of mind. Okay, so simplify. And then I've also talked about this quite a lot lately. I talked about having a routine for many, many reasons um, and how that's helpful and nourishing to little ones. But I wanted to mention it just after talking about simplification because having a daily routine is an aspect of simplifying your life. And if you and your children are following a daily routine, then chances are they're going to be carried through the day. They're not going to be left to themselves and uh, and perhaps getting into a whole bunch of stuff like I'm sure that my kindergartner and toddler toddlers are into a bunch of stuff right now because I'm recording a podcast. I put some things out for them, but... Lord knows what the den will look like when I walk out there. But if you have a daily routine where you're present and you're there, even if you're not necessarily interacting with your child, but you're getting them set up for more structured activities. And of course, I think children need lots of unstructured playtime. But when I say that, I mean maybe there's a structure to their day. So now is playtime. Mama's going to sit down and do some writing, and you will play on this towel or this blanket spread out on the floor, and here's some toy choices, or here you will play by the play kitchen, or you will play out in the yard. I mean, there's this, there is this time for your child to, to know what they're supposed to be doing, and it's less time for them to be off on their own getting into things, if that makes sense. So a routine is not only inherently nourishing to a child and helps carry them through the day, but it can also help you have them getting into less things. And there are probably also built-in cleanup times during a routine day, which is very good for you as a mama and for them as a child. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, general household tasks. So laundry is a big one. How do you get laundry done when you've got little ones? I recommend that you start a load of laundry every morning if you need to. This may vary depending on your family size. You may only need to do laundry every two or three days or even only once a week. We really did laundry only once a week, even when we had three children. Um, but once once we moved up to, to five and six children, and especially once we started doing a lot of line drawing, it started being laundry every morning. But just get up, get your load in, or if you have an older child who takes care of that, you may need to to have them do that. I think I mentioned on a previous podcast that I, I have children who do that, but I really have to supervise it. I have to be on top of it or else it doesn't get done. They actually do it, but mama needs to be a reminder, at least right now. But so start your laundry load every morning. Just get up and do it automatically. Get dressed if you can, if you're having a really fussy day with your fussy baby. Maybe you're going to stay in your PJs. But if possible, get dressed uh, and then get your laundry going. Put the load in the wash and set a timer so that and it will only take a few loads for you to be able to estimate how long you need to set the timer for. So I would recommend you set a timer. Don't just rely on the washer alarm because so many of us are con- conditioned to ignore it. So set a timer. When that timer goes off, get up and transfer your laundry to the dryer or to the line, if you're line drying, right away. Now, if you're using a dryer, I would set another alarm. And as soon as that alarm goes off, you pull everything out, put it in the basket, and you take it and fold it and put it away right then. Little ones can help you with this. Either they can fold, because little ones can fold some things for themselves, washcloths, socks, simple things like that. Or if you're folding, that you have a little dish pan for each child, and you fold and put in the dish pan, and then... 
a clean dishpan, obviously. And then they can help you by carrying that dishpan to their room where you put things away. Or if you have one of those nifty family closets, which we never have. But everybody can carry things to the family closet or maybe you fold in there and put everything away. So you just, you take care of all of that right there and get all of that taken care of right then. Now a variation of that, which is what we have to do because we do line dry, even in the winter we have a wood stove, so we have an inside line uh, near in the same room as the wood stove. And so we line dry our clothing and so it needs to hang for a while. Now in the summertime when it's out on the line in the sun and there's wind, it doesn't need to hang as long because it gets dried quicker. But if you're, if you're at a place where you need to line dry or maybe it's absolutely impossible for you to get up and get the stuff out of the dryer, then I would recommend that you have an, a time in the early afternoon or maybe mid-afternoon that you tend to the laundry. Perhaps it's before you do all the rest of your cleanup, which is what our family does. The laundry comes down from the line. It gets folded right then. It gets put away right then. And if you do one load a day, or depending on your family size, one load every few days, as often as is adequate, then you you won't need to... You won't need to be overwhelmed by laundry, and that mountain of laundry just won't build up for you. So for our family, we do laundry every day except Saturday. That's our rest day. And on Fridays, we do whites. So we do whites only once a week because it's mostly my husband's clothes and my clothes that have whites in them. The kids is mostly colored. So we do the whites once a week. There's two loads on that day. And then on Thursdays, there's two loads because we do dish rags and things like that. All of that gets gets in a pail throughout the week, and then that all gets done once a week. So for us, that's what works. One load a day for six days of the week, and then two extra loads during the week. And then if we might need to do sheets or towels, those, those usually also go on a Friday after the whites go, because those usually go in the dryer. It's just nicer to have soft towels and sheets. And so those don't have to get hung quite so easy. I mean, I'm just sharing what my family does. But I've really found that making sure that that load a day happens and then making sure that it gets dried and put away greatly eases stress. And it doesn't take all that long when you do it once a day. It takes only minutes at a time for getting it in the washer and going and getting it in the dryer or maybe 15 minutes for hanging it. And then it only takes 15 minutes or so to put it all away. So it doesn't take that long. Now, if you have diapers, then I would recommend that you do your laundry load for the morning and then you do your diaper load. If you don't need to do laundry every day, then do your diapers on alternate days from the laundry. But again, start them right away, put them in the dryer, or hang them on the line. And, and then if you have pockets or something, I would recommend that you sit down and stuff them. Though you may want to wait and do that while you're watching TV or talking to your husband or something. But I would recommend that you stuff them because that way they're ready to go. And you don't have to worry about doing it when you're trying to get them ready for your baby. Okay, let's talk about dishes. Wash the dishes after every meal. Just especially if, if you're only doing it for you and the little ones. You don't have all that many dishes for breakfast and lunch. So just get those dishes washed right away. And if you're in the early newborn period, please do not feel guilty for using paper plates and plastic utensils. But once you're ready to get back to a little bit more of an environmentally friendly answer, just wash real quick right there. You can put your little one in a carrier or in a baby seat beside you. This might be a good time to have a cabinet that's set aside for your baby or toddler 
that they can be engaged with pots and pans in because when you're not in the kitchen, they're not playing with that. So maybe it holds some appeal. Uh, and they can just do that. I, I've also heard of a mama who had the bathroom was off the kitchen. And so she would put her three sons in the bathtub and she could see through the door into there that they were rambunctiously playing. They weren't in any danger or anything in the bathtub and she would wash the dishes while they got their bath in the evening and that worked well for her. But find something that works for you to take the 10 minutes or so it's going to take to wash the dishes or load the dishwasher if that's what you do. We have to hand wash dishes here because our dishwasher is totally broken. But if you, if you have to hand wash dishes, then wash after every meal and wipe down the counters and the sinks. It doesn't really take that long if you do it every time. If something is spilled on the floor, you can spot clean it. And then once a week, you can go do a deeper clean of the kitchen and maybe mop the floor and, and check the fridge for leftovers that have gone bad and wipe those those shelves down and that sort of thing. But a baby carrier definitely helps you facilitate this when you have a baby. And then creative activities can help keep your toddler or your older baby toddler preschooler occupied while you do that. But again, by staying on top of it after every meal, it doesn't build up. It doesn't get overwhelming or disgusting. For the bathroom, wipe wipe up in the bathroom after every every time you go. So every time you go to the bathroom, this is a trick I learned from another mom. Just take and get a couple pieces of toilet paper dampened and wipe the rim of the the toilet down or the to toilet seat down and if, if you've got little boys you might want to wipe the rim every time too but if you use if you prefer to use like cloth instead of paper in the bathroom or just for your cleaning you might keep just a rag there that you can wipe really quickly around the edges with and then you might want to do it with a separate rag or a separate uh, folded over toilet paper pad just wipe around the sink real quick. And by doing those swipe downs each time, it stays relatively clean. It doesn't get bad. And you may do a daily just spray down with a natural cleaner. That's what I tend to do in my bathroom is once a day. I do a little spray down in there just to the toilet seat and around the sink. Uh, with, it's got an essential oil in it, so it makes it smell nice. And it, it picks up anything that was missed during the quick swipe, quick swish and swipe after every potty trip. And then again, once a week, you can do a deeper clean so that it stays stays more on a sanitary, sparkly level. But that quick clean every day and the discipline to do that will really help you. For general clutter and stuff that builds up in the house throughout the day, first try and make a habit of picking up after every activity. So if y'all do an art or a craft, clean up afterwards. If your little ones played with a toy and now they're ready to play with something else, help them put those things away especially with little ones like toddlers and preschoolers if you start putting something away and then you're handing them one of those objects while you're doing it they'll start putting it away because they're very they want to mimic they want to copy it's very strong desire for little ones so do that with them but in addition to that throughout the day you may want to have a cleanup time every afternoon that's just a certain time. It may be dependent on when daddy's going to get home or it may be dependent on when you want to start supper. So a time in the afternoon, just four-ish is usually a good time around four in the afternoon. It's just time to clean up, time to get everything picked up and everybody stops what they're doing and everybody helps clean up. 
A cleanup basket is an idea that I've heard to help with this. And it, it's, it works really well with little ones. So you take not an overwhelming amount of toys because you've gotten it down to a sensible number. But you take and you go through and you gather up toys into a large wicker basket or something. Maybe a laundry basket if that's what you've got. And then you and the little ones go through and distribute everything to its home. Because another thing is is that everything should have a place so that it can go in its place. Throughout the living room or the playroom or throughout the house if they've managed to get things out from the house. And that can help give an immediate sense of calm because the immediate mess is contained and then it's it's less overwhelming for little ones who may find it harder to say okay I need to take this piece here and this piece here and that thing there and that thing there instead it's all contained to the basket and we just put it away as we get to that area if you are home during the day then I I would recommend a lunchtime pickup too so just before we eat lunch we clean up and that way it's not building up over the course of the entire day just maybe the morning and the afternoon other chores I've already mentioned this some like with the kitchen and the bathroom deep clean you may want to have a set day for other chores if it's important to you to mop periodically you may want to do that you may vacuum some moms like to vacuum like every afternoon especially with little ones and carpeted floors but you may choose to vacuum intentionally only once a week or mop once a week. Other things that are bigger things, if you feel that dusting is important, like I opened this episode with, if you feel dusting is important, you may choose to do that once a week when you can fit it in. So just the those things that feel important to you to maybe maintain an overall cleanliness level of your house, but would be considered more of a detail clean or a deep clean, you might choose to have a particular day for that. Some moms find that it works well to do one of those things every day throughout the week. So you would mop one day and vacuum one day and dust one day. But I prefer to to have a dedicated time for it, like on a Friday morning for us. And that way, there's at least one day a week that the house is pretty clean all over. And that's satisfying to me. So that's why I choose that. And then like for sheets and towels, wash on alternating weeks. So one week you might do an extra load with the sheets and then the next week an extra load with the towels and that sort of thing. And of course, if you have children, your children should be helping. I already mentioned how you can have little ones help. They're often enthusiastic to help. As soon as they're able to do something like swipe uh, a clean dish rag across the cabinets to wipe down the cabinet edges as soon as they're able to handle a little whisk broom they can do under the cabinet edges as soon as they're able to um to to hold plastic cups or their plastic non-breakable dishes and use a drying cloth to dry them or be able to hand you clothespins if you're uh, holding things or use a little broom while you use the big broom there are just so many things that they quickly get able to do in addition to being able to help put away their toys pretty much as soon as they can pull a toy out they can learn to mimic you in putting the toy away. But there are many, many other things that they, they're able to do perhaps more quickly than you might think. And certainly you should encourage them to do that. And then if you have older children, they should definitely be helping you. Galen is six now, and he's really gotten to the point where I'm strongly emphasizing that he really needs to be helping and taking more responsibility. And then, of course, my older children uh, at 9, 11, and 13 can definitely be a big help around the house. And so they're much more held much more responsible for the messes they make and also helping with general things like keeping the kitchen and bathrooms clean. 
and one tip if you have children who are helping you that they're they're independently working like we're expecting Galen to do and the older kids to do now is inspect what you expect because if you don't check up after them they're going to end up not doing it and that creates frustration and resentment for you and it teaches a poor attitude towards helping the family to them so make sure that you proactively check even if it feels like that takes more energy with from you and including your little ones may feel like it takes more energy than just doing it yourself but that helps them learn how to help the family in a cheerful way so it's really a blessing in the end and I would encourage you to do that okay so hopefully this has helped you figure out how you can have a relatively clean house even with little ones underfoot If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating at iTunes or Stitcher. I would love to hear from you if you have any feedback. Also, remember you can get updates about the latest articles, the latest podcasts, galleries with sweet baby pictures, inspiring birth pictures, and all that good stuff. If you sign up for my newsletter, you'll also get tips on preparing for a great natural birth for your baby. You can do that at www.trustbirth101.com. That's TrustBirth101.com. I look forward to talking to you next week and have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.